would be a fascinating study for Christians to consider places where persecution has broken out. And we know that even with a cursory glance at such places where people who are believers come under great pressure in the gospel, where things are extremely awkward and difficult, persecution is hard. Yet, we are amazed to find that in such places, there is often a development of personal faith for those who do believe, as well as growth in the church as believers take their stand even in difficult days and stand up for what is right and true. And that is something we can observe in different places. When countries that have been under persecution and have been closed even to the gospel, whenever they become open to the word of God, we are often amazed to find that there are people with quiet faith, perhaps faith that has been struggling, but with freedom they are able to come to the fore and they have heard the challenge and they are ready to put, pronounce faith in Jesus Christ and to openly profess their love for him. And often in such countries we have seen resurgence in the things of God. So when the gospel seems to be under pressure, it is in fact under God that it will be deepening its roots in the hearts of men and in the hearts of societies. In our own circumstances today, we may feel that the gospel is not making great headway. The enemies of truth seem to be lined against us, bringing laws that are contrary to the things of God. And again and again we have heard uh, a criticism and had to endure the the way in which sinful people simply reject, mock uh, at the gospel, speaking of it as out of date. And while we're naturally discouraged as a result of such things, I think that we should take a leaf out of the book of the persecuted church. Let us not be too deeply burdened or saddened. And even here as we come to the book of Acts, we see the same thing. As we read here, we find in those days, those who were faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ took opportunity to speak the word of God. And even though they come under persecution, this in effect spreads the church and the gospel wherever they go. And there are lessons for us to learn uh, from the observation of these things. And so this evening, we're thinking in these verses about the progress of the gospel in Acts chapter 8, especially with Philip uh, and going down to Samaria. And as he goes there, he finds an open door. He also finds a problem uh, in Simon the sorcerer. So I want to, this evening, think and reflect a little bit about uh, the preaching of the Word, the popularity of the Word, the power that accompanies the Word, and the problem that arises as a result of the Word. So first of all, we have the preaching of the Word. 
And last week I made reference to this, that when the church is persecuted, as we saw back in the previous verses with Paul, or Saul rather, going house to house, that many people fled from Jerusalem. They were scattered. And now we find what they were doing in verse 4. We read, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And this continues with Philip as he goes uh, and comes and preaches the word. He is in Samaria. People from Samaria are there and he is ministering the word. But I want to give some thought to the matter of preaching the word. When we talk about preaching, it is what we're doing now that comes to mind. Someone proclaiming God's truth and others listening and I pray learning and being challenged and encouraged and helped. And certainly that is preaching the word. But these people whom we were thinking about were not called to be preachers. Many of them were in fact ordinary, common people and they simply had embraced the truth but under persecution were leaving Jerusalem, perhaps some of them going back to their own countries, their own homes from whence they had come. Others going to find family and friends to stay with so that they might escape the persecution. But we are told that as they were scattered, they preached or proclaimed the word. What did they do? Well, they did not necessarily stand up in the town square or at the street corner and begin to proclaim the truth of God. We don't envisage that that, is, that, may, that did happen a little, but most of them, that's not what they did. In fact, what they did was simply go and live out their lives for Jesus Christ. They did not stop at a church building to preach. They didn't preach in the street. They simply uh, proclaimed God's word to those whom they met. There may have been times when some one or two of them did set up a rostrum in the town square and preach. But on the whole, they simply lived out the word of God. As they prayed, as they came together for worship uh, on the Lord's Day, they had turned to Jesus Christ. They knew what the resurrection was all about and they spoke about that. Here were a people whose very lives preached and proclaimed repentance at sin. For they showed people they were sorry. When they made a mistake, they came and up their apology and sought forgiveness, just as they would with God. And when asked about it, they would give a reason for the hope that they had. So the word of God went forth from their lives as well as from us. No doubt they spoke of Jesus often. They were so full of all that they had embraced in him. It was a transformation of life for them. They now had a reasonable and living hope in them. Whereas before, as Jews, the Jews were, were in that deadbeat, uh, burdensome religion. 
that looked about doing good works and everything depended on how well you lived. All of that has changed. Perhaps we can illustrate that this going out preaching by thinking of someone who is fanatical about some subject. Take perhaps someone who is a, a fanatical bird watcher. Not sure if we have any here, but you can imagine this person. Imagine you going uh, on a journey in a bus or in an aeroplane and you sit down beside this person and you, you say hello and you try to strike up a conversation. And before very long you will soon learn that that is what they're all about. You might make reference to something or they will tell you about some bird or other and then the conversation will just go off and they will keep telling you about some rare species, about their plumage, about their habitat, about their migration, and they know it all, and they tell you all about it. You have no doubt as to what their passion is. It is bird watching. Could that be said about you and Jesus Christ? Could that be said about me when we meet a stranger in the street or do strike up conversations with people that we meet? Do they know that we live for Jesus Christ? We want them to hear of the, God, the good news of a Savior who died that we might live and that they might live if they would come and believe in Him. That is preaching through life and that is a sermon that the world constantly needs to hear and in our day and generation it is certainly something we need to be clear that is necessary. and We need to be praying that our lives will be proclaiming Jesus. That we will be clear. That we will not take a backward step and be confronted by wickedness, but tell it as it is and be prepared to honor Jesus Christ. And so here is the proclamation of the word. Preaching. Of course there is formal preaching. There is to be that organized time when we hear the word of God but our lives the lives of every believer as we are scattered here and there in an uncaring society we are to carry the word of compassion and of truth Jesus Christ left American society by his life some people thought he was just a good man but by his death and resurrection he has left a message to that he was not just a good man, but a saviour for sinners. So that we have the preaching. Secondly, and I've called this the popularity of the word. Now sometimes we might think God's word is not very popular, and that may be true. Just note as these people scatter and as Philip goes down into Samaria, what happened? We read there, for example, in verse 6, when the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did. There are crowds. We read of it later uh, in the the next section uh, concerning Simon, really, but they followed this man as the divine power. That's speaking of Simon. But they came and they listened to Philip and they heard the good news and many were baptized and followed. In fact, There was a great movement. We read that when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. 
So there's a, a movement, there's a popularity of the word preached among the people. Now it wasn't popular among everybody. But there were those who heard it with joy and gladness in their hearts. And they thought this was great. Now perhaps they were not in the broad context of the, of the, commu- of the world or even of that country, the majority. It may even in Samaria have been a large number, but not the majority. But there was a popular rising to hear what people said. And it became that way because notice what the crowds did. The crowds came and they listened and they gave close attention to what Philip was saying. It wasn't just a matter of, of, well, this is a wonderful teaching. They listened. They were assessing. They were thinking about what was said. Now, the motives of some of these people may have been different to some of the others. Simon the sorcerer had his motives, and we'll come to him later. But here's the popularity among the people they wanted to hear. They were ready to listen intently. They, and they became part of the group. I wonder do we think of some popularity today. We think of some new fad and people seem to jump in the bandwagon and for a time it seems to be the latest thing and everybody is sucked along into the, the latest idea or the latest fashion or whatever it is. But then many drift away and very soon you're left with, with practically nothing. Don't get me wrong, while the word here was popular, we will see there were problems too. But for those who listened, who were changed by the power of God, they would not fall away. Crowds listened. Crowds wanted to hear. Do we pray for that today? We can't say that God's word is popular today. It's popular among those who love Jesus. At least it ought to be. And sometimes even there, those who profess to love Jesus, we wonder, is the hearing of the word of God as popular as it should be? Perhaps not. But the message here is that we need to pray for ourselves, to listen intently, to engage with the word, to show that this is the the greatest message on earth. It is something we should desire more and more. And that should show to others too. It may pray that we would see the word of God being listened to with that close attention. Perhaps that's a challenge. Do you give close attention to the truth? Do you listen attentively? It is easy to come and listen with your ears. But listening means more than simply hearing words. Listening means taking it on board, putting it into practice in your life, thinking about it and taking the promises and dwelling upon them and acting upon them. It means accepting the rebuke of the word to your own soul and saying, I know that's right. 
I must change. And that will demand the power of the Holy Spirit to lead and direct us. So we have the preaching of the word with the popularity of the word. But then thirdly, and perhaps part of the reason the word was popular is because of the power of the word that we see evident here. We see it here in the text of verse 7. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many. Many paralytics and cripples were healed so that there was great joy in that city. The word of God came with the power of the Holy Spirit behind it. And as Peter and John came, as we read later, they laid their hands and the Spirit was given. And the people then had the power to live out their lives for God. It showed in this that only the power of God could make the preaching of the word effective. Why were evil spirits cast out? Why were paralytics and cripples healed? Well, in these apostolic days, this was a sign attesting the word that was proclaimed as the truth. This is the same message that Jesus proclaimed. He who actually touched and healed people. He who cast out the demons. This is the same message about the same Messiah. And these people who are preaching the word, Peter and John especially as apostles, they have, they are telling you about the same Christ. And the message and the power that associated with the word tells us that that is what the truth is. And the people were to listen to it because it's the message of everlasting life. We don't believe those apostolic gifts remain today. They were for that particular season. God in his power, however, is active by his Spirit, changing the lives of men and women. And that itself is an amazing miracle that sinners are taken and transformed by the power of God. God does do wonderful miracles today. But perhaps we don't often associate them with him. The person who goes on to the surgeon knife and is cured. Well, friends, that's a miracle of God. Because without God's direction and hand and power overseeing it, it all would be lost. And so there is power associated with the word. And it comes to particular to the fore when we think about the power to change from being a sinner to being a man of God. Power is absolutely essential. No one who hears the message of Christ can change himself. It is only by the action of the gracious God giving of his Holy Spirit that he might work in that soul to bring them to eternal life that can change them. That's the power that we need today. Yes, we need God's power in every area of life to bring healing through the means that he has appointed and in many other ways. But the power that we need most in our day is the mighty power of God taking the word, applying it to men and women and bringing them to saving faith. We prayed enough 
that the power of God would be evident, that He'll pour out His Spirit. Because we can preach, we can live out our lives, we can declare all these things, can make the Word known. But unless God graciously grants saving power by His Spirit, we can see, we will see no change. And you who are already in Christ know that about your own sin. You cannot defeat it on your own. It's only by the power of God. And he takes the word of God and he applies it. That's how God works. Somebody might say, well, I have this besetting sin. And you ask, well, do you read the Bible? No. Why not? Because the word of God, you see, when you read what God instructs you to do, it's then the Holy Spirit will take that and say, That's the instruction for you. And here's the power to live by it, to work it out in your life. So God, by His Spirit, will bring power to bear as the Word is proclaimed that men and women might not just be called from sin, but called to righteousness and to grace and to truth. The movement of God's Spirit is what we ought to to desire and we ought to desire it in greater measure we ought to desire the word of God to become more popular that we might see revival again and renewing and people called back to the truth of the living God what a wonderful blessing Samaria received and of course we remember that Jesus had talked to the woman of Samaria and so there had already been some work done. But then lastly I want to think about Simon the Saucer. And he is the man that gives me the heading, a problem as a result of the word. This man is a rather boastful man. He's full of his own importance. He is intrigued by the movement and the power of the Spirit. He comes along and he's absolutely intrigued by this teaching. And we read of him that as the others are coming to faith, listening to Philip and communicating together about Jesus Christ, Philip has proclaimed that word that Simon himself also, we're told, believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished at the great signs and miracles that were done. And so Simon seems to be, to all intents and purposes, a believer. There he is. He's following them everywhere. He's at every meeting. He's giving whatever help he can. He seems to be true in every way. Yet, with all of that, his profession, and even his baptism, the outward symbol of his heart change, are false. Because we read of what his real motive is. He comes and he says to Peter and John, give me the gift. He he imagines what he could do, maybe what he could earn, if he could give the Holy Spirit. If he could lay hands on people and pass on this power to live in a new and holy life. And Peter confronts him directly and powerfully. You have no part or share in this ministry because 
your heart is not right with God. Devastating, but true. Simon's heart was not right. Peter immediately saw the need. And he tells him so. He doesn't beat about the bush and say, well, you need to love a bit more, you need to do this, you need to do that. You are not right with God. And friends, here's the problem you see. When we preach the word, when we pray for God to work, and when God by His Spirit does move in a community and among people, there are often others sucked in who like the holy motive atmosphere enjoy the company of the people of God. And they show themselves, as it were, almost to be believers. But they're not right in heart with God. And the truth of that will come to bear when problems arise in their lives or whenever uh, some uh, issue arises and they are not prepared to take a stand for Jesus. You see, they're sucked in. They're called in by, by the whole atmosphere. We know how this can happen even in society. If you get a big enough movement of people and someone with enough charisma and people will follow after them, a band of followers and some can get sucked in. You don't really know what they're ta- the man's talking about. You don't really know what it's all about but they're swept along. They enter in, they buy the merchandise and all of those things. But ask them what it's about. You don't really know. They're just sucked in. They have not thought about it. I'm not saying Simon hadn't thought about it at all. But he had been sucked in in his sin. His heart had not been changed. And that's a challenge to each and every one who sits in a church building. Could it be you are sucked in? In our society, it's still a place it's respectable to be. It is still looked upon as being a good thing. And people can still get sucked along. The question you have to answer is, have your heart right before God? Have you repented of your sin? Are you truly following Jesus? Are you giving that intentional listening ear to the Word and crying out, Father, forgive me, for I am a sinner. Whenever the word goes out, whenever God is pleased to work, there will be a problem like this. And in some ways, we are just going to have to deal with it. It's always been the same. Read about any of the revivals. Numbers coming. But then read about the aftermath. Read what happens afterwards. There are always a number who fall away, who were sucked in, but who were never right in their hearts. They wanted to be part of the scene. But they were never right with God. Perhaps they are that ground that Jesus described in the parable of the ground and the seed. The seed fell on the stony ground and it sprang up. It looked for all the world like good seed, but it had no root. 
friends, we need to pray that we would have root. We need to pray that we will be able to deal with it. I think we should take a lesson out of Peter's book. There's no point beating around the bush and trying to to mollycoddle people. They need to know the truth. They need to be told, repent and believe. Look what Peter says to Simon as he deals with him. He says, repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you. He's holding out Simon hope, but he's clear and unequivocal in the message. And Sometimes the problem we have is, well, these are nice people and we don't want to put them off coming and all of those things. And we can feel like that. But what they need to be told is, you're wrong, repent. God may yet forgive you. And what is the result? Well, we don't really know. But with Simon, we notice this. He answers, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said will happen to me. So he has at least grasped the fact that he is not right with God. And one would like to think we don't know that he went off and in tears repented before the Lord and was made right with God. Here's some of the problems that might come as a result of the word of God as it makes progress. That should lead us to pray, to pray for the powerful, effective working of God in the hearts of people, and to pray for wisdom in bringing people into his kingdom. Here then is the preaching of the word. It's up to us all. Here is the popularity of the word. It may not think it's popular, But may we desire its popularity and pray for it and give attention to the word so that people will know it's worth listening to. And may know the power of the word comes by the Spirit. And that may lead to problems. But by the same power and Spirit, we will be able to deal with those problems.